Hello, this is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Q1370 WQLL. Catholic Baltimore is a weekly radio program hosted by the Archdiocese of Baltimore, airing each Sunday following the broadcast of the Radio Mass of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic radio partners for sharing with us some of the contents in this program and for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to the Archdiocese of Baltimore every Sunday. This is Chris Gunty of the Catholic Review. Today on Catholic Baltimore, we're talking with Donna Marie Cooper O'Boyle about her new book, Feeding Your Family's Soul. It's a book about dinner table spirituality. Donna Marie is an award-winning author and the EW2N television host of Everyday Blessings for Catholic Moms and Catholic Moms Cafe. She's a Catholic wife and mother, and she's here to talk about her new book about family dinner table. Welcome. Thank you so much, Chris. Thanks for having me on your show. Well, tell us a little bit about the inspiration for this book. I am intrigued by it just simply because uh, having the family gather around the dinner table sounds like a great idea. Well, thank you so much. There's really two reasons for this book. Um, I'll give you a little background um, on why it's important to me as well. But the two reasons would be, you know, to gather the family and bring them back to the table. You know, the families that may have lost that art of family dinners and family conversations. You know, we're pulled in so many directions and families these days, unfortunately, are eating too much fast food and not enough good food. And they're not really gathering together to have that wonderful family time in their domestic church. I imagine it's hard to do around homework and soccer practice and all those other things. It definitely is, but the parents have to, you know, take the reins. The parents have to step up to the plate and be that first and foremost educator that they're called to be by God. You know, we're going to be asked one day when we meet our maker what we've been teaching our kids and uh, it's important to, to do it. You know, we're the ones that God is counting on to, to teach the faith. So the reason, the other reason I wrote this book, you know, the main reason is to provide uh, lessons, you know, faith lessons for the parents and for the grandparents and, you know, whoever, the guardians, whoever uh, would like to teach the faith to the kids. And so I put it right here in this book. There are 53 lessons, one for every week of the year and an extra credit lesson. So the parents will have a tool, you know, a Catholic tool, a resource. They can just pick up and once a week or so just, you know, go through the lesson. Ten minutes time at the dinner table, you can teach a faith lesson to your kids. So it's very important to me as a mother and a grandmother and a faith educator for almost 30 years, you know, to to be able to offer this to families. There's a great line in the introduction in the book, and I, I just love this. It says, allow the book to be the rumbly stomach reminding you to feed your children's souls. <laughs> Tell me a little bit more about that. What, why is it so important for parents to feed their children not just good food, but to feed their souls? Absolutely. Um, and, you know, I say the rumbly stomach because I was mentioning earlier in the, in the introduction how if we're not quick enough, they'll let us know, or our rumbly stomachs will let us know we're hungry for food. But sometimes we lose track of time, or we we fail to carve out the time we need to teach the faith, because we need to nourish the family with the faith as well as with food. We need to nourish their souls. So our job as a parent and a grandparent is not only to feed their bodies, but to feed their souls. And Scripture tells us in so many places 
and the saints have told us, you know, we, we need to, to nourish ourselves with the faith. Otherwise, we're going to just float downstream like a dead body, as Fulton Sheen would say. You know, he said that a live body resists the current, but a dead body floats downstream. We need to lead countercultural lives and to, and to live the faith, you know, to teach it and to live it. Otherwise, the culture is going to drag us downstream, and that leads to hell. <laughs> Yeah, that's not a, not a good place to be. No. Talk a little bit about the components of each week, of each lesson. You've got a lot of things in here. You've got catechism, the saints, you've got prayer, and you've got recipes, which is really kind of a neat combination of things. How do you put all that together? Well, thank you so much for asking. That's a very good question. Well, I just, you know, prayed and pondered uh some lessons to get the family started. Of course, this book couldn't possibly contain everything we need to teach uh, the family, you know. Um, so I started with 53, like I said, 52. So you have one for every week of the year and the 53rd as an extra credit. And so I go through the saints and, you know, the catechism and the sacraments and virtues and things like that to, um, you know, to get the family started and learning about the faith. So if we just turn to, like, for instance, uh, chapter 5 of the fifth lesson, there will be a little note to the parents to, you know, what they can do to prepare uh, ahead of time of the dinner. There's an opening prayer that an older child can read or the parent can read. And then there's the dinner table teaching. And that consists of, like, just two or three paragraphs about that particular subject. And so the parent can read that aloud or an older child at the dinner table. That's the lesson. That's the, the meat and potatoes of, of, the, of the lesson for that day. And after that, that's read, then there are reflection questions for the family to, to go over. And that's when all the fun starts in that discussion of the questions. And we have a closing prayer. Then I give them some things to carry the theme throughout the week so that it's not just that one lesson, but... Just some suggestions um, of a prayer they might say at the dinner table the rest of the week or an extra credit activity to do together as a family. And I always try to encourage the family to get together with older relatives or someone they might not be in touch with, you know, they might not have been in touch with for a while, and to share recipes and family traditions because that's the way we're going to carry on those traditions and carry them down through the generations, right? We need to get in touch with the family. In the olden times when I grew up, uh, we got together with our relatives on a Sunday. You know, they would come over or we would go to their house and, and it was a beautiful time and I have such fond memories of that. But now we're so scattered and we're so, you know, distracted and we're running around to shopping malls and things like that instead of having that great family time on a Sunday, for instance. So I try to also encourage that throughout this book. Yeah, I think it's interesting, you know, if you watch the, the TV show Blue Bloods, where the where? Reagan family gathers around a dinner table every Sunday as the whole family, the aunts, the uncles, the kids, and uh, and grandpa, and, and everybody's there. And it's unusual, and it shouldn't be. I mean, it, it strikes us as odd that there's a family that still does this these days, but that's really where we ought to be all the time is families gathering for, for a meal. Uh, it's unfortunate that it seems so unusual these days, I guess. But you're talking about these, these times in the past when you were able to gather with family, and that seems to have made a difference in the way our families were brought up. 
Yes, absolutely. You know, we need that time to reconnect at the end of the day, you know, at the dinner table, to share our hearts, to break bread, to be there. And, you know, it's not going to be Norman Rockwell picture perfect. You know, don't shy away from, you know, having uh, rules. You need to sit down at the dinner table. You need to not bring your devices to the table. Uh, Hopefully the kids don't have cell phones. Uh, That's another subject. But, you know, to be there and to be attentive to one another, to listen, to have conversations and, and a, at least once a week, you know, have that faith lesson at the table. So it's, it's you know, what, what you're going to remember when you gr- when the kids, what the kids will remember when they grow up, what we remember from our childhoods and um, what our children will hopefully bring into their future domestic churches, that, that sense of family, that beautiful time together at the table, you know, whether there's a little argument or a little spilled drink or something, that's okay, you know, and we practice the virtues of forgiveness and tenderness and compassion and and love, you know, at the dinner table. There A lot can be learned by the children, by the family, by the parents at the dinner table during those conversations, during that time together. You know, it's a, we're a work in progress. We're learning together. We're growing together in that blessedness of the family, you know, that blessed abode of the, the domestic church that God has given us. He's given families a chance to bring a part of the big church into their little church and make that a, an oasis of, of Christian love, you know, where we can retreat from the darkness of the world and retreat from the you know, the hustle and bustle and and the culture that doesn't support our Christianity. So our homes should be a very sacred and beautiful place. And let's make it a sacred and say prayers together and grow as a family. That's great. We're talking about Kitchen Table Gospel with Donna Marie Cooper O'Boyle and her book, Feeding Your Family Soul. After the break, we'll talk some more with her about how this book came about and some of the people she met along the way. You're listening to Catholic Baltimore, and this is Chris Gunty. Catholic News from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. Archbishop William E. Laurie ordained three men to the transitional diaconate May 27th at the Baltimore Basilica. William Cowan, John Streifel, and John Martinez put their hands in the Archbishop's hands and promised to be obedient and respectful to him and his successors. They then lay prostrate before the altar, symbolizing their total dependence on God, while the congregation chanted the litany of supplication, calling upon the communion of saints to pray for the ordination candidates. Finally, Archbishop Laurie laid his hands on the three candidates' heads, conferring on them the gift of the Holy Spirit. God willing, Cowan, Streifel, and Martinez will be ordained to the priesthood in one year. The three men have diverse backgrounds. According to a biography provided by the Archdiocese, Cowan, who is 46, served 20 years in the U.S. Navy from 1989 until 2009. He served tours of duty in Japan, Bahrain, and stateside, and on board aircraft carriers, submarines, and as a naval air crewman. Streifel, who was 27, grew up in Boonesboro, Maryland, where his family attended St. James Church. He graduated from Mount St. Mary's University in Emmitsburg. For a year following his graduation, he discerned his vocation while working at a home improvement company. It was called More Than a Carpenter, owned by a fellow St. James parishioner. 
A native of Puerto Rico, Martinez moved to Baltimore in 2006 and became a parishioner of St. Clair in Essex, where he began discerning his vocation. Read more about these men and about their ordination at catholicreview.org or archbalt.org. That's A-R-C-H-B-A-L-T dot org. From the newsroom of the Catholic Review, this is Eric Zygmunt. Catholic Baltimore wants to reward you as a faithful listener. We're giving away one copy of Donna Marie Cooper O'Boyle's book, Feeding Your Family's Soul. To enter the contest, send an email to editor at catholicreview.org with the subject, Dinner Table Spirituality, or send a letter to Catholic Review, Attention Radio, P.O. Box 777, Baltimore, Maryland, 21203. Include your name, address, and parish. Letters must be postmarked by June 9, 2017. Winner will be announced June 18th. No purchase necessary. You are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Q1370 WQLL. And we're back on Catholic Baltimore talking with Donna Marie Cooper O'Boyle about her book, Feeding Your Family's Soul. It's really about just kind of being at home with your family and and having some time to reflect and learn some more. Growing up, uh, my family did something like this. We had a, a couple of books. Obviously, we had a lot of spiritual books around the house. And uh, so every once in a while we would take a book that had some short readings in it and each of the ten of us would get a turn to choose one of the readings and then read that and then the whole family would discuss it. It was a a nice way to do it. I like how you formalize that process in your book with uh, not just uh, the regular prayers that we say, the grace before meals, but you've got some readings for contemplation, you've got some ways to, to prepare an opening prayer, and then some teaching to go along with it. But then the great thing is you've also got some recipes. So uh, I look here at overnight Christmas blueberry pecan French toast, and uh, and it's something that you you mentioned should be prepared on Christmas Eve to be able to have Christmas morning. That's the kind of practical things, I think, that are really helpful about this book. What? How can this way of dining help families just become closer and and really, how can this help them encourage others to be missionary disciples? What's the best way to do that? One of the practical ways to, to do it is to, you know, set those rules. You know, a certain time for dinner, everyone's required to come to the table. And and, and they get into the habit. It, you can form prayer habits. You can form, you know, habits and traditions in the home. And it's something we need to establish. Some homes don't have that. And then while we're there, it's the time we grow together. We eat together, yes, to nourish our bodies, but we have conversations and we connect with one another and we pray together. And it's a time we can really pour our hearts out, too, about different needs in the family or in our neighborhood, what we could do to help, how we can be a missionary of God's love you know, to our neighborhoods and communities. First, starting in the family, like Mother Teresa said, love begins at home. So it's important for the parent and grandparent to establish these times in the home because the kids grow up fast and you're going to be looking back and saying and lamenting that you didn't really take the time to to make it work, to sit down at the table. You know, get everyone involved with with making the meal or make something simple and nourishing, but to do it, make it happen. We need to make it happen on a regular basis. You mentioned Mother Teresa there, that you... uh, and you've had occasion to meet her several times and correspond with her. How did that affect your spirituality? Yes, actually, I was a friend of Mother Teresa's for about 10 years, and, and we, uh, we met several times, and she wrote 
22 letters to me, actually. It was really amazing. And as I read them years, you know, as years pass, I look at them again and I, I learn more from this amazing uh, spiritual giant who was really actually very tiny. And uh, she, she taught me so much. Um, you know, she preached a lot about uh, Calcutta being all over the world for those who have eyes to see. So in other words, we don't need to run off to Calcutta to serve the poor, to help, you know, create a change or to, to offer Christ's love. She says that we need to offer that love in our homes first. She said love begins at home. She, often, she also said it's a lot easier to serve a dish of rice to someone on the other side of the world than it is to serve that dish of rice to our own. And meaning that dish of rice, meaning like dish of love. There might be someone at home, it could be a grumpy spouse, it could be a child who's having trouble, it could be even a neighbor who's belittling your Christianity or something going on that we need to uh, focus our attention and, and offer our love in that instance and not worry about running off and feeding that dish of rice on the other side of the world. In other words, to begin to begin at home. Yeah, and and not even just on the other side of the world. When we were growing Great. up, my fam my parents uh, were very involved in the the food drive and the St. Vincent de Paul Society at the parish. Oh. And originally, when we started, the uh, the food was all boxed up and loaded into our big station wagon and other cars and taken up to the. We lived on the south side of Chicago, and we took it up to a parish on the north side, you know, where there were poor people and. After several years, they realized, well, we actually have people in need in our own community. So mm -hmm. why don't we find ways to reach out one-on-one -on -one or two-on-two -on -two to them and, uh, and find out what their needs are and make sure that they are fed. And so the, the focus of that food drive changed from being across the world or across the, the city to helping the people right at home in our own community. So I, I see what you mean by uh, what Mother Teresa is saying about that. Yeah. That's beautiful, Chris, because we can't neglect our own, you know, thinking we're... And that's great that you did help those people in that other area. I really believe that God puts us where we're meant to, to minister to the people who He surrounds us with. First and foremost, our families, then our neighborhoods and communities. And you'll be surprised. There might be someone living down the road that you haven't met yet or you haven't had a chance to you know, say hello to. And I, I tell so many stories in all of my books about uh, amazing encounters with complete strangers or people that are, they shouldn't be a stranger, they're our neighbor, but we need to get to know them and they need to, to experience Christ's love. And that ha has happened to me so many times with people who are atheists, you know, who uh, have no uh, desire to learn about God or you know, God's love, and, and amazing things happen through bringing a meal to them, you know, through offering love to them, and uh, thank me later on for, for praying for them. These are people who have been professed atheists, you know, so these amazing things happen when we, we push a little beyond our comfort zones to, to reach out, and like I said, to, to neighbors and people close by, and that's what I, in this book, I, I um, give the the family, uh, you know, some suggestions for reaching out and and trying to put their heads together to come up with a plan to help someone in need, you know, with bringing a meal to someone. So there's a lot that can be done by God's good graces, you know, to, in, in helping someone with serving a meal or bringing a meal to them, someone, someone in need. 
Yeah, well, and you talked about encountering people along the way. You have a story in the in the book about uh, meeting a man named Bill on a flight uh, returning um, from uh, a TV uh, production that you did. And, and a lot of times I have to admit, when I get on a plane, I, I don't want to be real conversant with people uh-huh. sitting next to me. I mean, occasionally I am, and it kind of depends on what mood I'm in. But you seem kind of throughout the book to have encounters like that. But I love the encounter with Bill where you talked about his Nana's recipe for spaghetti sauce uh-huh. and how uh, she didn't want to share it with people until really much more recently. Um, but one of the key things there was you talked about that the fact that uh, she kept adding new things and new things and new things to the sauce as it went along. Yes. Well, tell us about what you realized and, and what Bill realized was the key to that sauce. That's great that you, you noticed that, Chris. Um, yeah, so I just thought it was neat that um, Bill um, was a ba- Baptist and I a Catholic, and we had this wonderful conversation about the need to teach the faith to the kids. And then we got on to the food, and, and this was before I was writing this book. This uh, this encounter happened on the plane, and he was talking about that uh, famous spaghetti sauce. And and the thing that we noticed was that, yeah, with, it, it takes time. It takes time to make a good sauce. And he said, you know, the thing is, you've got to, you know, keep stirring it. She she said, you know, you got to add this ingredient, and then you stir it, and you add this, and you stir it. And so the whole point I was making was that, you know, sometimes we could open a jar, you know, and that's okay. I do that. I try to get healthy kinds of things, and I try to cook from scratch as much as possible. But sometimes we're in a hurry. But I was trying to um, bring about the point to, you know, take the time. Take that time to stir that sauce. You know, take that time to be in the kitchen with the kids and make something together or with your husband or family or relatives. You know, to, it takes time to stir that sauce, but we need to carve the time out. Otherwise, it's not going to happen. You know, we're going to be busy and running to this activity and that activity. And it's nice to be with the family during activities, of course, but if we're all farmed out doing so many different other things, when are we going to gather together to stir that sauce in the kitchen, you know? Yeah, it certainly does make a difference when you have, uh, when you're able to take the time to prepare a meal with a little bit more love than, as you say, opening up a jar and dropping it in a pan and, and heating it up. Uh, right. So from from that perspective, it, it makes a big difference. Uh, we've got just about a minute left, and I just want to uh, uh, have you let us know, how, do, how does somebody get a hold of a copy of Feeding Your Family's Soul, Dinner Table Spirituality? Where can somebody get a copy of that book? Well, thank you for asking. Um, they can come to my website, www.donnacooperoboyle.com or even donnamariecooperoboyle.com. Both will get you there. And I have lots of things going on at my website. You could subscribe to my free email newsletter. And I like to uh, give lots of um, you know, um, inspiration and news in the newsletters. But I also have another... Um, website you can get to through that main website and it, it focuses on feeding your family soul and that would be feedingyourfamilysoul.com so if you get to my main website you can find a link on the sidebar to get to this one or you can just go straight to feedingyourfamilysoul.com and you'll see other things I have going on there with regard to food and family and, and the faith so thank you well thanks so much Donna Marie Cooper O'Boyle for being with us today Uh, on Catholic Baltimore. We've been having a great time talking about your dinner table spirituality book. 
Thank you very much, Chris, and God bless you and your work. Thank you. This is Christopher Gunty of the Catholic Review, and you've been listening to Catholic Baltimore. For 143 years, New Cathedral Cemetery has served the needs of the Catholic community of Baltimore and Central Maryland. New Cathedral is the only cemetery owned by the Archdiocese of Baltimore and is the final resting place for many religious orders and famous citizens. 125 acres of rolling hills, trees, and beautiful monuments, the cemetery is an oasis of peace and tranquility and is located off Edmondson Avenue just outside of Catonsville. New Cathedral is dedicated to the task of tending to the mortal remains of our dearly departed and has many more years of available space. If you are in need of a burial site, vault, monument, or marker, or just a respectful location to place your cremated loved ones, our counselors will help you through this process and make sure the wishes of you and your loved ones are honored. Visit us online at newcathedralcemetery.org, like us on Facebook at New Cathedral Cemetery Bonnie Bray, or call 410-566-7770. Life can be hard, and at times we feel overwhelmed and alone. When faced with problems, know that there is a group of Catholics who are part of the prayer ministry of the Archdiocese of Baltimore, waiting to lift you and your needs to God in prayer. This ministry is comprised of men and women, young and old, religious and lay, from every ethnic and cultural background. They pray as individuals and in groups, in homes and meeting spaces throughout Baltimore. Like you, they are people who have suffered the same hurts, fears, pains, sickness, loss, and everyday burdens. Learn more about this ministry by visiting our website at www.archbalt.org. If you are in need of prayer, send your prayer request to prayers at archbalt.org or by phone to 410-547-5517. Would you like to volunteer to be a part of the ministry? Prayer ministers are always needed. Please call or email our coordinator who would be happy to speak with you. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Baltimore. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May God bless us and keep us always in his love.